Hi, I'm Isaac Feynman for Licensed to Parent and Shepherd's Hill Academy, thanking you for your faithful, generous support of the ministry and your prayers. God bless you for what you're doing. If you want to find out ways that you can support the ministry, just go to our website at licensedtoparent.org and you can click the donate button or you can find out more by calling us at 706-779-7160. When raising our kids from cradle to college, there are often financial components to our parenting journey that too often get overlooked by otherwise very good parents. We'll talk about some of these things with our guest, Chuck Bentley, right here on Licensed to Parent. Hello, welcome to Licensed to Parent. My name is Trey Sembley. Thanks for joining Isaac Feynman and me as we offer parents and the rest of the world helpful insight into today's culture. You know, every week Isaac and I leave our post at the teen, at the teen healing capital of the world known as Shepherd's Hill Academy to be a voice crying out in the wilderness as we broadcast from high atop a horse pasture in the middle of absolutely nowhere. All things related to godly parenting in the 21st century postmodern world. Now, we truly do understand our times and we truly do know what to do because our day job is ministering at a proving ground for all that we talk about here on the Licensed to Parent broadcast. And we're not just sitting behind a desk theorizing about things. I want our listeners also to know that this stuff isn't new. In fact, it's quite old. Times certainly change, but God's principles for living life and raising kids remain the same. Kids and adults alike are starving for the truth today, and, and that's what the Licensed to Parent broadcast has to offer. Folks, we, we don't do this for ratings. We don't aspire to have radio careers or anything like that. We, we perform before an audience of one. Uh, so if you care to eavesdrop on us from time to time, we'll, you'll find that uh, there's some very helpful insights uh, on bringing up children in a very crazy, mixed-up, postmodern relativistic world that we live in today. Well, Isaac, we're going to be talking about money today. And I don't know about you, but uh, I don't remember talking about money in this program before. No, since I've been with you, Trace, uh, either behind the scenes or on mic with you for over three years, we've we've not ever talked about money. But you know, it's interesting. It was Zig Ziglar uh, that said that money isn't necessarily number one in life, but it does rank up there pretty close with oxygen. <laughs> if you plan to be around on Earth, you have to have uh, a little bit of money to uh, to get by. Well, our guest today is Chuck Bentley, and Chuck is uh, the CEO of Crown Financial Ministries. He also hosts a daily radio broadcast that's nationally syndicated uh, called My Money Life. And in addition to that, uh, Chuck has uh, authored or collaborated on many resources, uh, which you can find uh, at crown.org resources that will be a big help and an encouragement to you and your family. So with that said, Chuck, welcome to Licensed to Parent with Trace Embry. Well, thank you, Isaac. And Trace, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm just honored that you would have me on the program to talk about this topic. I I think it's so important to all of us, and I, I agree with Zig Ziglar. It's, it is uh, right up there close to oxygen, <laughs> and the Lord himself knew that when he said that it would be so strong and powerful in our life that we'd be attempted or be tempted to serve it one day. And uh, so it's going to be fun talking to you about it. Well, I appreciate you coming. It's an honor to have you here, brother. Uh, I, I have to confess that, that when it comes to parenting, I probably didn't do such a hot job of teaching my kids you know, how to earn, spend, or, or invest money. Chuck, tell us why the subject of money is so easily overlooked by well-meaning parents who otherwise have committed their lives to raising good and godly kids. Well, Trace, I think it's two reasons. Number one, we get busy about our own lives. When life is happening, it's difficult to be intentional about 
training other people that are following right along with you. And then secondly, I think people don't know how to do it. They're they're confused. It, it's uh, oftentimes uh, modeled poorly and passed on from generation to generation. And this is a topic that if uh, you assume someone else is going to do it, it's probably going to be done poorly. So uh, mm-hmm. for my wife and I, it took us uh, a number of years to even agree on how we would teach our children. Uh, we didn't agree ourselves for many years about money. It was a very difficult subject for us, but once we got on the same page, we became intentional about it, and recently we've been sharing our story at conferences and uh, in interviews about what we did, because our children are 29, 26, 14, and 11, mm. so I've got, the benefit, <laughs> I've, got, I've got the benefit, I've got the whole span there, and I have the benefit of seeing that um, my older boys are living financially independent of us. Uh, once they became adults, they were able to live on their own. So we were, we looked at it not from uh, cradle to college, but from cradle to adulthood. Uh-huh. Would they one day be able to stand on their own and be financially independent? And we're pleased to say that our two older sons are uh, financially independent, very responsible young men. And some of these lessons I'm going to share today we know are proven to work. That's awesome. I had a friend whose brother was a business consultant, and uh, he he told me that businesses pay him boatloads of money for him to tell them one thing, know what your costs are, and don't spend more than you make. Is this true? And and, and if so, how can parents practically uh, apply this seemingly easy concept to their families and then best pass those principles on to their kids? Well, the idea of living within our means is the it's a universal struggle. And uh, certainly his axiom is true. You have to know what your costs are if you're going to be able to live within your means. But many people know what their costs are and still don't know how to uh, manage their finances. And they live chronically under financial stress and worry and strife. And and that gets even worse as your children grow older. I like to tell parents that it, it gets more expensive and the problems seem to get larger as your children grow older. So if you're If you haven't learned this yourself and if you haven't taught your children, you're going to experience a great deal of financial pain. So if you you don't mind, I'll start with this concept of beginning at the cradle and sort of take you forward to the steps that I think are necessary for what children need to learn so that you avoid that uh, problem of chronic financial stress and worry. That'd be great. Fire away. Fire away. All right, here we go. Uh, at, from, at birth, we had three simple lessons we wanted to teach the boys. Now, I had all boys, so you have to excuse the fact that uh, some of these may not directly relate to girls, but I think most of them will. The first lesson we wanted to teach our boys is that no means no. Now, surely, Trace, you can identify oh, with boy. that being uh, an often overlooked, uh, something that should be as plain as the nose on our face. Many times parents just overlook that. Yep. Delayed gratification is what it teaches them. Yeah, no means no. Mm -hmm. Because children are born in a me, 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 uh, my, my, my stage that we're born with a sin nature, Mm -hmm. and we want everything. We think the world revolves around us, so we knew we had to begin by saying no. Well, especially in today's world, it seems like uh, I heard one guy say our our kids uh, have... uh, accidentally ended up on third base living under the delusion they just hit a triple. Absolutely. <laughs> We're born in a very privileged uh, culture and, and have a, a terrible problem with the entitlement mentality. Mm-hmm. 
So we need to be able to say no. When our kids ask us, we it's not bad to say, no, we can't do that, or no, we don't have uh, uh, access to that. So learn to say no at a young age. Teach them to share and teach them to delay gratification. A little simple rule as our children were growing up, they had to wait for the host to put the food on the table before they started eating mm-hmm. and then have everybody seated, and we were going to pray. And growing up with four boys around the table, that's a lesson that spills over into the how they manage money. Those little self-discipline. wait, then you can learn to live within your means. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to manners. Manners were, you know, that was something that actually carried over into greater things. It seems simple by not using sir and ma'am and please and thank you, but those things are little disciplinary uh, uh, tests along the way that groom you for the greater things in life. Oh, I totally agree with that because you're preparing uh, – them for lessons they're going to use the rest of their life. Manners are an indication that a person is teachable Mm -hmm. and that they will apply the teachings to uh, their life in the future. So once our children started learning these things, by the time they got to three years old, say from three, four, five, and six, they started receiving forms of income. They get birthday presents, you know, grandparents send them things or uh, somehow they're, uh, they have a little bit of inflow into their life. So we bought these uh, little tins that Crown makes that divided it uh, into three categories, giving, saving, and spending. And every dollar that the boys have ever received, they had to allocate it into one of those categories. We put 10% in giving, we put 50% in saving, and 40% in their spending account from the from the time they received any gift whatsoever. So that was their process that we established for their whole life. Mm-hmm. And then when they got old enough, by the time they started to get old enough to do chores, we would teach them that they had personal responsibilities for their own space. They had to make their bed. They had to clean their bathroom. Mm-hmm. They had to empty the trash in their room. All the things that we didn't pay them for. Right. But they they were responsible to do those and expected to do them without us compensating them. For just that. just being yeah just being part of the family. Yeah, you're just part of the family. I have to make my bed. I have to you know fold my clothes from the laundry. So everybody's got to do that. Mm-hmm. My well, wife made this little thing called the chore tracker, and it's absolutely fabulous because we hang it on the refrigerator. And whatever chore they're supposed to do, she has it listed on a popsicle stick for each one of the boys. Now, my two are grown now. We don't certainly did it just for a season of their life. But I still use it for our 14-year-old son and our 11-year-old son. So every day they move it from the to-do category to the done category. And we can walk by there, look at the popsicle sticks, and we know if they've done the chores they're supposed to do for the day. And it's a very nice form of accountability. And once they got into the allowance stage, which that's doing things beyond what their personal responsibility is. Mm -hmm. We pay an allowance if they'll contribute to what I call the corporate good. So just giving a kid an allowance like is a rite of passage, uh, not necessarily a good idea. Is it a rite of passage? Is that what your question? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of parents who who give their kids an allowance and and expect nothing in return. It's just a rite of passage. No, it's, it's in return for work. Sure. You right. see, one of the greatest lessons a child learns coming up through uh, the rank uh, from from birth on is to be a worker. Right. God designed us to work. 
Adam was put in the garden in Genesis 2.15 to work and to manage God's garden, and that was before he fell. Mm -hmm. So work is the basis for how God provides for us. So as we teach our children to work and to be responsible, they're preparing for one day to be able to provide for themselves. So it was clear if they were going to have an allowance, they had to do what I call the, the corporate functions around the house. So if mom needed vacuuming, if we need yard work, uh, if we needed uh, you know, the things that uh, are on their uh, a list to do that help the two of us to have a, an easier time of managing all that we have to do, then we would pay them for them. Mm-hmm. We even deduct from their allowance if they don't do it. So there's a reward system and a penalty system because that's just reality. Yeah, I think that's wise. That's how that's how it is in the world. Exactly. And we wanted the boys to experience that, and that prepares them to be employable. Because right. employers don't pay you for a job poorly done. They don't pay you if you don't do your work. That's right. And our our idea was once they got old enough, and this was really more in the preteen years, about 12 to to 15 is when we were using this allowance method to teach them that they had to work and they had to do a good job and to please their employer, please us, mom and dad, before we would pay their allowance. And they're less likely to end up uh, on the streets of Occupy Wall Street. This is a great time that we're going to take a a quick break uh, here today, Chuck. I appreciate you being on the broadcast with us. Uh, Chuck Bentley, the CEO of Crown Financial Ministries, and we'd love your feedback on the broadcast so far. You can join us at our Facebook fan page. Just go to facebook.com forward slash licensed to parent radio. Uh, Share your feedback, maybe even a question. And uh, if that's the case, we can certainly get that to Chuck and his team and get some feedback for you there as well. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent with Trace Embry, a short break, and we'll be back after this. Licensed to Parent with Trace Embry is grateful for the support of the Hilton Garden Inn Atlanta Northwest Wildwood, a non-smoking hotel located at 3045 Windy Hill Road. The Hilton Garden Inn offers complimentary on-site parking, complimentary wireless internet access throughout the hotel, an on-site restaurant with a full hot and cold breakfast buffet, and other amenities for your comfort and pleasure. If your family is looking to get away, consider exploring all that Atlanta has to offer and stay at the Hilton Garden Inn Atlanta Northwest Wildwood. Online, go to hiltongardenin.com or call 770-953-8850. That's 770-953-8850. Hi, I'm Isaac Feynman for Licensed to Parent with Trey Simbry. Each week we introduce you to the generals in God's army when it comes to knowing and living out the biblical worldview. God-fearing men like Dr. Ravi Zacharias, Ken Ham, David Barton, and others. As a service to your family, these interviews are archived and available for you to stream and download absolutely free of charge. Listen at licensedtoparent.org. Get equipped to train your children well. LicensedToParent.org Hi, I'm Isaac Feynman. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent with Trey Simbury. Having a great discussion today on finances and the family with Chuck Bentley, CEO of Crown Financial Ministries. 
One of the resources that we offer at our website absolutely free of charge is our blog called Insight for Today's Culture. Just go to licensedtoparent.org and you can click on the link there, Insight for Today's Culture, up in the top left blue section uh, of the website. Uh, a recent blog article was Warning Signs of an Ineffective Youth Group. Uh, details on that article and others at licensedapparent.org. Okay, before the break, we were talking about allowance. Uh, Chuck, uh, once you get past the allowance stage, uh, what's next in, in, in teaching our kids financial responsibility? Well, once they start to reach that uh, 14, 15, 16-year-old stage, we started looking for true work experience. And so to do that, we would post job-wanted ads on our refrigerator door. We, we literally would say we've got a big task, whether it's cleaning the, the garage, washing the cars, or uh, maybe even doing our lawn work. We're either going to get outside bids and get a contractor to help us with this, or you're going to step up and be hired by your own uh, mother or father. I love that. I love that. I was going to say, <laughs> that's a great idea. Right. They, uh, they would look at how much we were paying, what they thought the task was going to be, and normally we never had to hire someone outside the home. The boys would step up and say, yeah, I'll do that. And then I would inspect their work and treat them like an employer so that they were getting prepared to work for somebody else. Mm -hmm. We also uh, asked for apprenticeships, and then we taught them to interview and how to handle themselves on the job. And all along we were also teaching them how to manage their uh, income in this giving, saving, spending model. So from cradle to college age, Trace, the boys were, A, used to working. They were, B, used to managing what they received, the rewards of their work. And then, C, they were prepared to live independent of us because these became habits in their life. Mm, that's awesome. That, that boy... Parents, I hope you're listening to this because this is good counsel. Uh, I've heard a lot of talk about today's high school graduates opting out of college education for several reasons. Um, uh, is saving for your, your child's college education still a prudent thing to do, though? Well, about 30% of uh, young people today will go on to college. Uh, yes, it's prudent to save for college, but let me explain a little bit how we did it. We basically had a philosophy in our home that if the boys wanted to go to college, if that was their uh, makeup, because 60-70% of uh, young people, it's either not their makeup, they're not interested, God's given talents in other areas, right. and they're just not where they should go. But right. if they were going to go, we were going to do so without debt. So I told the boys that the highest uh, paying job that they could ever get while they were at home was to make good grades. Because if they made great grades, it could pay up to $100,000 in scholarship money. And they had to work at their schoolwork wow. as if they were getting paid in the form of a scholarship. Let me just um, make sure I heard that right, because <laughs> this is radio. And, you know, once you sit behind microphones and, and listen with headphones, Chuck, you know the radio deal. Uh, sometimes things may just gloss over. So just to clarify, for, for me and for our audience, let, let us help us pick our jaws back up. Did you say $100,000 in scholarship funds? Oh, sure, sure. With the cost of college today, if a person gets a four-year academic ride, uh, it could be worth up to $100,000. Well, obviously, no employer is going to pay a 14-, 15-, 16-year-old person that kind of money. Right. But I looked at it forward-thinking and said, I don't want you to have student loan debt when you graduate. I don't want you to borrow, and I don't want to borrow as your as your parent 
how are we going to do this? So the first thing was to work for good grades. And uh, our boys uh, went to college without debt. That's awesome. Both received academic scholarships. So uh, they worked uh, and saved their own money. They worked in college. Uh, they worked for uh, grant money. We did everything we possibly could to avoid debt. And, yes, it's important for parents to save for college and to help them if that's the route they want to go. But I don't think that parents should be looking at it that it is an absolute essential step for their child that they will go to any extreme to pay for it, including borrowing a bunch of money. Is the principle of paying for our kids' college a, a biblical mandate? I don't think it is. I don't think it's a biblical mandate at all because kids need uh, to show that that's part of their aspiration and drive as well. You know, we start going in halves, you know, in this uh, spending category that our children were saving. Once they decided they wanted to spend it, it wasn't just whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we started saying, now you've got to learn to be a good consumer, so we'll go in half with you on certain things. And other things you're going to have to buy yourself. So we taught them how to spend the money they had saved. And we said, you're going to have to make some investments. You need to buy your own car. You need to be able to maintain it. You need to pay for some of your own entertainment, some of your clothing, those kind of issues. So we looked at college the same way. What are you going to pay for? And I think parents look at this college uh, mountain to climb as far too big of a of a uh, a necessity at all costs, and they need to think of it more prudently and figure out a way to trim their cost. I just wrote a article called "The Twelve Steps to a Degree Without Debt," and it was picked up by Fox News because sixty seventy percent of all young people that graduate have uh, student loan debt. It's about twenty five thousand dollars by the time they graduate. Yeah. Yeah, we we have a lot of staff members here who, who want to be on the mission field. But they're not; they can't leave because they're so they're so tied down uh, to the whole the whole debt thing. Uh, question: You know, I've heard the argument that the stock market is no different than gambling. Can you can you share why this isn't so? I mean, because our you know sometimes our kids uh, you know talk about this, and uh, I don't have an answer for them. Well, I do, Trace. It's very very easy. Gambling, by definition, requires that everybody except one loses. Hmm. Investing, by definition, allows for everybody to win. That's good. That's the massive difference. And young people look at it naively and say, well, it's both a risk. It's just legalized gambling. No, it's not at all. Uh, In some lotteries, millions of people will lose everything they've invested. They'll get zero back. But think about that in contrast to the stock market, that over the past uh, several hundred years, it's averaged a 5 6% return to everybody who's invested if you've been a long-term investor. So not, in fact, it's not that everybody loses. It's everybody can win. The investor can win. The customers can win. The company can win. There's more people employed. It is a risk, and you may lose. But it doesn't necessitate that a bunch of other people lose in order for you to win. Sure. So morally and ethically, it's far superior to gambling. That's good. Should parents force their kids to tie it on the money they receive? Well, I think we should train them, as the Scripture says, to train them in the way they should go. And I'm a big believer that tithing is the training wheels of giving, that giving our first and best 10% is a demonstration of the 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 beginning point 
of showing our tangible uh, form of worship to say, Lord, I want to give and serve your body because uh, you've loved me and your grace has been so wonderful in my life. And I don't think we should force them to give that, but I think we need to train them. Mm -hmm. I have to tell you, our boys were raised with that 10% going right off the top, and they actually have be they they like to give and sure. i think it's a it's sort of it's how you go about it well you jump start enforcing them but yeah. i do believe in training them yeah and it, it may be a semantic issue because you, you you know like even here at shepherd's hill academy there's things that you have to jump start these kids into or they never experience what it's like to to change their view on something or to to approach something from a little different perspective uh, how much of the, of the family's finances should I discuss with my kids? I mean, uh, is this a proper vehicle for teachable moments, or, or should we stay clear of that? Oh, I think it's age-appropriate discussion. I became very transparent with my boys because at one point I needed to say, we are a family without unlimited funds. In fact, we have limited funds. And I want to tell you how I make financial decisions, how I make purchase decisions, how I make giving decisions, so that I can model that. And I invited my older boys to understand our own financial situation and to be a part of it. I wasn't trying to transfer stress to them. I wasn't trying to make them worried or nervous. Mm -hmm. But I wanted them to be discipled as their father to know what, what it was really like. Because in the credit card world we live in today, a lot of times children all they see is you you t- you know pull a plastic card out of your wallet and somehow magically you can buy anything you want <laughs> right right and i wanted to be sure that wasn't the impression i was leaving mm-hmm. i've heard some some folks talk about this before but uh, should my kids ever physically pay some of the bills to help them understand what it takes to make the family run i'm not saying that these come out of their their banking account but maybe just write out the check for the heating bill so that they're a little more uh, conscious every time they flip on a switch or change the thermostat. Uh, is that ever a good idea for kids? I think all of that is, is a good idea so that uh, children understand uh, holistically how things work. If you were going to you know, train them to understand how to work on an engine, you'd have mm-hmm. to know how to put gas in it or oil or change, put air in the tires, all those things. So, yes, I think it's good. It's appropriate uh, when it's when they're able to comprehend it, as I said earlier, I don't believe in transferring stress to them at a young age, but helping them to understand that uh, things uh, there's a process to everything we do in life, mm-hmm. and if we follow God's process, it works a whole lot better than if we follow our own process. Chuck, it's been a real honor having you on our broadcast today, and we just want to give you now an open platform to encourage our audience who's listening. Well, I want to, first of all, thank you for what you do. It's just a wonderful, uh, redemptive ministry. And at at the very tip of the spear where the Lord says we're to care for others, those who are in crisis, those who are full of human potential and dreams and ambition, and you're able to see not only that person restored out of crisis, but then to move on to fulfill what God designed them to be. And I just love the work that you're doing. It is so important. And as I speak about finances, I think there's a view of the world that, uh, you know, we just learn what God says about money for our own personal benefit. And that's not our view at all at Crown. Our view is that a person is a faithful steward so they can go and bless other people with the resources God's given them and support the works that advance God's kingdom. And I would certainly hope 
that people who are following God's plan for their finances, teaching their children, doing all the right things, would be liberal and share in the advancement of uh, your organization and and to bless the lives of those children that you're serving. Well, thank you, Chuck. And, of course, at our website, we'll link up for our friends to be able to get all the information about your ministry, Crown Financials, resources, and all kinds of great information for their family to be able to be biblically sound when it comes to stewarding the resources that God has provided for them. Find out more about Crown Financial Ministries at licensedapparent.org. And, of course, Chuck, we hope that you'll be able to join us again sometime soon as our guest here on Licensed to Parent with Trace Embry. Well, Trace and Isaac, thank you. We appreciate what you're doing, and it's a joy. Uh, let me know if I can serve you in any way. It'd be my privilege. That's awesome, brother. Certainly appreciate that. And parents, listen, if you don't train your kids, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.